0: Welcome to the Darren Woodson Show. Today's guest, Kristen Holmes, who's the VP of Performance and Science at WHOOP. And guys, we we always talk about performance as far as mental performance, physical performance. I know Ben's uh, performance in bed is not good because I, I know <laughs> <laughs> there's, been, there's been some times where the wife has called and told okay. Tyler and I that that you may need a WHOOP. He's Based not on, bringing it anymore. He ain't bringing that thing anymore. We so. ain't 22 anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
1: question, serious Sweet. question. Did Whit, you
0: thank you, Wit, for <laughs> that? How, how long?
1: How long did you think about that joke when you found out we were going to have her on? You've been wanting to say that. Joke. No, I have not. <laughs> it just came to my mind right now, man.
0: You're
2: I, not that quick, yeah. <laughs> Tyler. Help me on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, no, but I don't know, man. That's that's a topic that I got to be sensitive to uh, approach. So yeah.
1: no, but we we said it <laughs> in the episode, so. The reason we wanted to have her on and a couple of things we cover it is, I mean, that this podcast is mental and physical performance yeah. and hopefully encouraging uh, people to perform better and, and giving you tools and tricks and, and lessons we've learned. And this, this episode was no different. I mean, yeah. the, the whoop strap, they're doing unbelievable things. And we'll, we'll talk about it, obviously, on the episode, uh, go into more detail, but. Man, this was an awesome 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 episode. episode.
2: And the and the cool thing about this episode is as we're preparing for this, you know, we're really intrigued. Ben's got a whoop strap. Uh, Darren and I don't, but we're really intrigued by learning about it about it, the benefits of it, how to measure data, how to really understand the performance and and some of the things that you're doing in life that can affect it. But honestly, when, when we started talking to Kristen and researching her yeah. about her story, I mean, we're talking a two sport college athlete. She was on three time, all American, three time, all American. She was on the national field hockey team. Big she made the American the Olympic team, 2 big, big, big ten, player 10 player of the year. Yeah. I mean, she's an absolute stud. And then, you know, kind of her journey, but listen to the first part, it's about her journey and it is. And, and we, honestly underestimated how impactful that yes. part of the episode was. Mm-hmm. And then even more so under uh, estimated what the impact whoop is doing right now as a yeah. culture. And, you know, the partnerships that they've got that we'll talk about are crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what they're, uh, what they're about to do on a much bigger scale is awesome. So make sure to yeah. stick around. The you end. know,
0: you know, what was really impressive is that you understand, you started partially understand just in an interview and Kristen is that the, the culture at Whoop as far as who they're bringing on. Because Kristen is one of the most, uh, I'm talking, she's a dog, bro. Driven. She is yeah. driven. So Sharp. Those are the type of people yeah. that you want within your culture, those that are driven, that have the confidence or swagger about them. And also, they want to help. Mm-hmm. Really help those that are out there that are struggling in what area, whatever areas they're struggling. Well, I think that that's
1: important to note. You know, if you, you you see whoop and you think athletes, yeah, yeah. but no, going in this episode, this is for anybody. Yeah, that's right. You know, it doesn't matter who you are if you're performing for a, an activity or not, or if you're just into fitness. This is a great tool and a great feedback for yeah. anybody and we, anybody and everybody.
2: We talk about a lot of things on this show. You know, mental physical performance, even emotional performance. We talk about all those things and really just life and life hacks and things that Mm. we've learned. This is the single most tool that I've seen to measure that growth. Right. Like, I don't know if we've come across anything that can measure, you know, how you're recovering, how you're performing, how, you know, your heart rate, like all the things that we're talking about overall health. Um, this is a unbelievable tool, so make sure to stick around. Yeah, and we're going to we're gonna
1: shut up now and let you guys listen. Uh, please do us a favor and share. Share with your friends. Leave us reviews, five-star ratings, all that good stuff. We really appreciate you guys. Enjoy the episode.
0: Today's guest, Kristen Holmes. Kristen, uh... Listen, we, we want to jump right on into it. We'll get into where you are now currently with WHOOP as the uh, VP of Performance and Science. But Kristen, on this show, we always, on the Darren Woodson Show, we always want to go back and talk about your journey. Uh, and and we want to start uh, with how you grew up, where you grew up, and what your family life was like.
3: Yeah. Well, I've moved around a lot growing up. I was born in Massachusetts and then my family moved down to Tennessee. and. I would say Damn,
0: that was a hell of a move. Wait a minute. To jump. You were mass to the Tennessee. What was that jump like?
3: I mean, I was only four years old. So I, you know, from what I can remember of it, I just it was the accent. And and I and I definitely adopted the southern accent really quickly. I was all over it. Yeah, you know, I was using y'all and my wrist. And yeah, I was I was all about it. Um, and we lived in right outside of Knoxville. In uh, in a little t- uh, town called uh, Clinton, Clinton, Tennessee. So I became a Vols fan very young. Yeah, um, was best? Yeah, it, you know I was really fortunate. You know Pat Summitt obviously was um, just an icon, wow. and yep. and it really it, it at a very early age kind of cemented in my mind this this concept that wow you can be a woman, you can be strong, you can be, you know, assertive, you can play sports. Um, and, and, and so she was really, I think the, my earliest inspiration and, you know, while I was still really young, I, you know, the first thing I, the, what I asked for for my birthday when I was four was a professional basketball and I wanted to get my ears pierced. So there's my two, my two asks for my birthday. So she definitely had a, a huge influence on me and, and really directed, um, or was, I think kind of the foundation of, of kind of, my, my thinking on uh, just sports in generally and um, yeah kind of kind of set me on that path of, of just thinking about sports and and just being obsessed
2: <laughs> yeah so early on you started playing what was like your your sports of choice at, at a young age
3: I, I played a ton of basketball uh, soccer uh, mostly team sports I got into tennis a little bit ran track uh, played pretty much everything, and I really got into field hockey. My family moved uh, from Tennessee, actually, to France, and that's where I got into competitive skiing and uh, played a ton of soccer, and then my family moved from Tennessee to Maine, and that's where I got introduced to field hockey and still did quite a bit of skiing, uh, and basketball was always, uh, you know, one of my first, you know, loves and played a ton of that, uh, but that's when I really started loving field hockey and, and got uh pretty pretty obsessed with with that path and you know wanting to go to the olympics and and all that
2: okay so i want to i want to pause because yeah. i want to marinate i want to marinate on the skiing thing um
1: i was thinking the field hockey because that's gonna
2: be that's you gonna be the, meat, the meat, hurry meat of our sandwich you ask your question but, <laughs> okay so you go from from tennessee to france where now you're skiing in the alps right like and then you well, come,
3: where, uh, but we we did yeah i I skied in the opposite of Fairmount, but uh, my home base was on uh, the base of the German mountain.
2: Okay. Okay. All right. So, but you get exposed to like European like skiing. I mean, that's as, as good as it gets. And then you come yeah. back to the States and you said you still skied. Now, East Coast skiing is not, oh. is not the same. So how did you, how did you keep up with that?
3: I, I, I was, I definitely try not to be too snobby about it, but there, yeah, I mean, there is a, fundamental difference. And, uh, yeah, but, but I think what was great is when I, when I came back to the States, it wasn't, you know, I, I did a bit of racing, but it was more of just being with my, my buddies and, you know, going, going on the weekends to King Pine, you know, with my girlfriends and yeah, uh, just getting into trouble. So skiing became just very recreational when I got back just because I, yeah, it was really hard to be, to, to take it seriously. Um, just given my early exposure to just the best skiing in the world.
0: That's so right. What was the reason? What was the reason from going from, you said you went, went from Massachusetts to Tennessee down then into France was the parents, yeah. your parents, your father or your mother traveling? Yeah, My,
3: my dad uh, was in finance and he just had, they, the plant, the company that he worked for has plants all over the world. And he just had opportunities to kind of advance his career and uh, and, and grow within his company. So he just kind of said yes to all the opportunities and, yeah that's how we we ended up kind of bouncing around a bit
0: so we is is in you have any brothers and sisters or was it just i have an older yeah. brother
3: yeah an older brother he's a few years older and uh yeah and, and my mom we just kind of got got really good at packing and unpacking and studying houses and yeah <laughs> which was, is uh, one of the world's worst a little chaotic you but do. It was all good.
2: so how do you that think- oh
3: yeah I mean, yeah not stressful at all no. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: How do you think, you know, your exposure to different cultures early on in your life, you know, obviously going from, from Massachusetts, Tennessee, totally different cultures, and then going to France. Now you throw a whole different culture into it. And then you come back to, you know, the upper Northeast. How do you think that that's shaped you and kind of your journey going forward?
3: I definitely think you, you know, you have to adapt or you just, don't survive, you know, so I think I I got very good at just adapting to my environment and um, being aware of my surroundings and um, being aware, I I think it it definitely, hopefully improved, or accelerated my emotional intelligence and that you know, I had to to really, um, you know, always listen first and, uh, and figure out the other person's point of view. Uh, and, And a lot of that was motivated just by the fact I wanted to to fit in and and kind of be a part of this new environment, and um, so I, you know, and I think there's some good and bad that comes with that. But but overall, I think it may be just very adaptable and flexible, and and feeling as though I could pretty much assimilate to whatever environment I, I needed to, and and figure out how to uh, how to find a way to be successful, um, you know, inside those those particular constraints. So it was, uh, yeah. Overall, you know, it was a little chaotic, um, my upbringing, but but I. But I think
0: it did. Um, well, what were your age, what it. was what were your ages when you were moving? I mean, because I'm, I'm listening to your your this conversation and and at the times when you're moving through this process, you just said it's been chaotic. But you're a young kid, or you know, in your teenage years, where it's hard to uproot someone, <laughs> a child, and move to another, yeah. another location. So you mentioned chaotically in, in what terms? Yeah. Uh,
3: well, I think the the most chaotic was kind of moving in in the middle of high school. Uh, That was hard, uh, because obviously I had established my friend group, and, you know, I had sports, and, you know, you you kind of um, have the credibility, uh, you know, within your sports and academics, and the trust of your teachers, and all that, you know, you kind of spent the time building that, and then all of a sudden you're, like, in a completely new school. So, yeah, going into my junior year in high school, uh, we moved to Massachusetts from Maine. So, that was, I mean, just imagine, you know, a teenage girl, you know, playing for sports in high school and, you know, trying to figure out where you're going to go to college. And, um, you know, I was being recruited for field hockey and basketball um, and tennis. So, you know, just a lot on my plate uh, at the time and then just trying to figure out how to adapt to this new environment and girls are mean. Um, <laughs> So mean. <laughs> so, yeah. so, there's that dynamic that I was uh, always trying to trying to figure out how to navigate. So, yeah, it was uh it was a uh, definitely an interesting time. But but being in Massachusetts was actually ended up being phenomenal because there's way more visibility from a recruiting perspective. So, you know, what was really just kind of being recruited, you know, Dartmouth and Colby and you know um, just Northeast kind of schools. All of a sudden, you know, it was. Michigan and Stanford and you know UNC and you know it was, it was my scope of options really increased because there was just way more visibility. So it ended up being a, a great thing. We'll yeah, talk all, us through all
1: that. schools that we would have no chance. Yeah. <laughs> ever,
3: <laughs> ever, ever
0: of <laughs> we like, where is that?
3: Can we that go back about? to something real quick?
1: I'm I'm a dumb West Texan. What is field hockey? <laughs> What are you going to say? What's, what, yeah, what's, what, is, what is field hockey? <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sitting there lost with what field hockey is. So, man, is. It's,
2: it's, pretty, it's pretty easy. It's hockey on a field.
1: <laughs> hey, <laughs> that, that sounds
2: good. Yeah.
3: Tactically, it's very similar to soccer, actually. You know, there's 11, 11 field players, and uh, it's played on AstroTurf at the, at the highest level. It's an Olympic sport. Uh, it's the second most played sport in the world. Uh, so that's it. it. Oh, that's, that's all. That's, that's, that's it. That's only the second, second most played. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. You missed the boat. <laughs> sorry for the I ignorance on bubble. that side of the table. I live in a I bubble. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I'm going to, I'm cutting you out of my Zoom right now. Just, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like saying, who's Michael Jordan? What, LeBron James?
3: No, I recognize that it's, it's not, in the United States, it's it's not the most popular uh, sport. But but yeah, internationally, it's, it's quite... Um, you know quite well-known and and yeah. very highly participated a uh, sport so yeah i just i just like i loved the game um that's very technical game very cerebral um you know I, lo- I love the tactical aspects of it and um and and just was able to find mentors very young who kind of nurtured my my love and um kind of my my talent i guess so
0: so take us through your, your, your are you getting recruited out of high school yeah. Oh, she just listed like 18 schools. So you're getting recruited out of high school. Take us through the recruiting process of you know, where you wanted to go, your decision-making and, and, and so forth.
3: Yeah, it was, you know, I, I had, I had a lot of choices, uh, which was, which is cool. Um, you know, I had just, you know, I, I went on visits to, to Harvard, Boston university, uh, Pepperdine hey, was cry. just really of you know <laughs> the West Coast play, <laughs> um, and uh, even though I, I really probably wasn't going to go to Pepperdine, but, um, but but the it was for basketball and just Pepperdine yeah. is beautiful and yes, yeah, I saw is, the yeah I to go right, right and then,
2: there, um, in Malibu, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard to beat.
3: And then University of Iowa and UNC, so those were, ended up being kind of my five choices, all very very different. But I think what really, what was motivating me was this idea of, I I just, ever since I could remember, I wanted to go to the Olympics and I was just obsessed with that concept. And, you know, this the first thing I thought about when I woke up in the morning, last thing I thought about when I went to bed and really just every moment of my life was kind of geared, all the decisions I made were really to position myself to make the national team so I could vie for a spot on an Olympic team. So um, the team that I felt could kind of help get me to that goal, and the coaches that I felt could help me get to that goal were really at the University of Iowa. Um, At the time, they had five national team players, Uh, you know, they were at the Final Four every year, and the coach was a three-time Olympian herself, so uh, they just had this incredible staff. Um, And Dr. Christine Grant, uh, who was really the kind of the thought leader around gender equity, Um, you know, she, she was just an incredible Uh, human. Uh, She was the athletic director at University of Iowa. So they kind of had this really cool uh, female thing going on there that that female athletics was really highly supported. Uh, Probably not on par to to what was happening with the the male kind of part, but um, it was definitely, it it never felt, it didn't feel like it was a second fiddle. It felt like we were really very well resourced and and then just had this kind of this high performance environment, high performance feel that I just like gravitated to. So I uh, ended up committing to University of Iowa and I wasn't able to, Vivian Stringer was the head coach there and uh, she did not allow me to play basketball. Um, Sylvie Hatchell, my other choice, she's at UN, the head coach at UNC. I was gonna play both field hockey and basketball at UNC. Um, and coincidentally, if I had done that, I would have won eight national championships uh, between wow. field hockey and basketball. So I wow. definitely think back on that. I'm like, oh man, that would have really been <laughs> really cool. <laughs> but um, they were on like a heater down there for like um, for those two sports. But um, but ended up being able to to play um, into my senior year of basketball. So that, that was cool. Um, There's a coach change. Viv Stringer went to Rutgers, and Andrew, and and uh, and Riley took over at. Um, uh, at University of Iowa, so I was able to, to play for her. But um, yeah, so that was kind of my, my journey and I, I ended up making the national team when I was a freshman in college. So was kind of navigating field hockey and academics and, you know, US national team. You know, we had a World Cup in there and Pan American games and Olympic, I took an Olympic waiver and yeah, so it was busy time. I'm feeling very inferior
2: right now. (laughs) There's, there's a ton to unpack in that. Okay. I want to go first back to, you said, Hey, you were obsessed with being on the national team, going to the Olympics. So you you read my mind right there. Yeah. At what age, uh, this is going to be a multi-part question here. So just, that's kind of how I work (laughs) Uh, is. Okay. So at what age did you realize, okay, this is a goal that I have. And like, this is my obsession and this is what I'm working for. And then part two is, is where did that drive come from? Did your parents support that? Was that something you felt like was just innately wired in you? Like that that's what I want to do. Cause what we talk about it a lot on the show is like what drives people. And if it's, if the drive isn't naturally there, how do you, how do you create that drive? But how was it for you?
3: Uh, honestly I have no idea where it came from <laughs> I mean I had, you know I had some interesting things happen in, in childhood that I, I think you know part of sports were just always an outlet and I think moving it you know it, it, it gives you that immediate community so I always felt kind of on a team there's like this level of acceptance you know because you're you're kind of you're a part of something and you're working towards something and it, it kind of the individual kind of melts away and then you just kind of assimilate to whatever that team culture is so I think the the, the having to move a, a ton and you know teams for me were just always a really safe place to 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 go where I felt like accepted so I think there's that dynamic um, and then just uh, you know I, I I just like love being, like, good. Like, I, I just wanted, I just, I love the feeling of, of being able to, like, I had, I, I, I love the control, I guess, that comes from being able to determine when I practice and, you know, uh, how I apply effort and how I, how I apply my attention. Um, and I, and just having to, being able to channel that and, and, and see the outcome of that was just like the coolest thing. So, um, I know as you guys, your freaking backgrounds are insane. So I know you can relate to, to that process. But, but isn't but it
0: that I simple? Think- isn't it that simple? I mean, when you really think about the, the competitive nature that athletes have, it's not just about the competitive nature. It's about the show off that's in us. Like, cause there's oh. a show off in each and every last one of us that you want to show the world your skill Mm-hmm. And it creates this—not going to say dog mentality—but it creates this mentality within us that just drives us to to not. I wouldn't say perfection, but it drives us. It's like this inner being within us. It's that 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 natural being within us that just drives even much for, further. Yeah, yeah, yeah based and beyond on that.
1: Yeah, and beyond that, it's like when you find something you're good at, it doesn't feel like work when you're trying to get better at it. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's all you ever think about. I've I've been accused by these two of being obsessed on things. And when you find something that you really love and you're really good at, the work doesn't feel like work. You can't wait to put in that work. And that's what it sounds like. You found that at an early age. You don't really know how, but you found that and it just clicked for you.
3: I was irrationally passionate.
1: (laughs) That's great. (laughs) I love it.
2: But here's the thing, though. And you said, okay, your resumes are insane. But not really, right? Like, we focused on football, and that was something that we were good at and it was a very natural path for us. I think Kristen, for you, I mean, you love basketball, you love field hockey, you said you like soccer, you like skiing, and you were just, you were obsessed with being great. And there's obstacles that you had to overcome that that we just don't experience just innately in what it is. And and, and I'll call it like i see it. And then for you then to say, okay, hey, not only am I just going to be great, because when you were looking at colleges, you could have said, all right, well, I'm going to look at Stanford because I, I'm going to look at my career beyond just the game. But you're like, no, I am I am striving to be the greatest at the sp- whatever sp- sport i play and by the way like we we breezed over your athletic career in college at, at iowa is you were three-time all-american in field hockey you had three final four appearances four-time big 10 champions at iowa that's in field hockey then basketball you were uh big 10 champions sweet 16 appearance but you were the two-time big 10 athlete of the year wow like, that's, yeah. that's not yeah. like like we we just like oh, we're gonna go lift, run, practice, and then I mean, hopefully our tutor can get us through school. Like that was our path, right? Darren, guess, what have you done like, with your life? no That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Absolutely like, nothing. After and, that. And, and 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 like, and I'll say it. And you chose you chose a university, you chose a location that valued the female athletes, and and lifted you up to where you guys should be, and, and the platform that you guys should have, and the inspiration that you can bring. know the the female population especially at a young age like you chose that and whether you you know knew that you were choosing that like that's the path that you chose and there's just like a level of greatness there that like blows my mind Mm -hmm. like we we brought you on like originally because like we wanted to talk about whoop and like all these things and like i'm like all right let's put whoop to the side (laughs)
3: like
2: i want to i want to dig i want to dig more into like kristen's story because I don't know. Like I'm blown away, and then I mean I haven't even gotten into your per, uh, your professional resume. Like
0: that's yeah. insane too. Yeah.
2: So let's let's go back to <laughs> let's go back to after after you graduate. So uh, making an Olympic Tyler, run.
0: Tyler had an aha moment
2: right now. So sorry. Yeah, about sorry that. about that. <laughs> you might have just seen the light bulb above his head. Really kind. So, so after, after Iowa, um, I mean, talk through the Olympic experience and the national team and like what that was like to travel and compete against, you know, other countries where field hockey is, is their sport.
3: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was an incredible experience. Uh, yeah, it's funny because, you know, you, and you didn't even know what feel like he was, um, <laughs> uh, but we would go, 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 know, YouTube to go to the Netherlands, you know, for the world cup and it's, you know, there's 20,000 people in the stands, you know, mm. which God. you guys doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, for, for us, that was just an incredible experience. So mm-hmm. I think to be received in these other countries and, you know, to have people lining up for autographs was, was just kind of a, was was cool to experience because the love that we feel in the sport and how much we valued it and how much uh you know it was such a big part of our lives not necessarily have a country that feels the same you know is a a tiny bit disheartening right but when you go when you go into these other countries and and you can see just like they're so passionate about the sport and they have such a level of appreciation for it it just it made it uh it, it was it was it was great to, great to kind of experience that. So that was definitely a takeaway. And then, and then just, you know, being a part of a team who's trying to be exceptional, you know, and, and trying to uh, really maximize the, the individual and group potential um, without really any like big carrot, uh, you know, in terms of there's no contracts, there's no, we're not getting paid, you know, it's really just doing it because we, we love it. And, um, and we're, we're trying to, really be the the very best versions of ourselves and and be able to 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 kind of bring that to a stage and platform where we can um you know really uh you know uh, kind of show off our you know the the work that we've been putting in and, and on a on a really cool stage so yeah i think that the uh atlanta was was incredible um you know an incredible experience and then I would say sydney was probably the most disappointing because we didn't qualify so uh we didn't have the opera we lost in the olympic qualifier to to china and uh that was kind of like the back end of my playing career so uh that was that was uh really disappointing but um but yeah that was kind so, of the- so what is it like <laughs>
0: We don't know what it's like to represent our, our country. Yeah, that's got to be the any coolest aspect. thing. You know, we play football and, you know, you represent your team, but it's not an international sport uh, like field hockey. So what was it like going into a competition knowing that, you know, you're carrying your, your nation on your back? What does that feel like?
3: Well, there's definitely just a pride that you – developed that I do think is unique, you know, when you're representing your country and, you know, you're wearing the American flag and it's, um, and it's acknowledged that you're representing the country and that's a cool thing. And so, yeah, there's definitely like this, this feeling of responsibility. Um, and then, and it's a hundred percent of such a motivating factor, you know, to this idea that, um, you know, you're doing it for your country, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it sounds, yeah. I think when I think back on it, I, I kind of, I almost like I can get myself in that mind frame pretty quickly, but it's just so different when you're, when you're in it and you're in the stadium and with your, with your teammates and you're wearing the uniform and it's really kind of overwhelming and it doesn't it never, ever, ever gets old. I mean, every time the national anthem plays, like yeah. it's Tears. just like this like yeah. burning sensation. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, you feel just like, gosh, like this is, you know, this is why I've done what I've I've done and, and, you know, I've I've put the time in that I've put in. Um, So it's just such a cool feeling. Yeah.
0: So you, you mentioned that uh, you were at the end of your career when you were going to Sydney, right? Is that where it was? Okay. So you're knowing the end is near and much like we've gone through, I think all three of us have gone through, you know, and when it's time when it's going to be time to hang it up and you have to transition to, to the unknown. What was your thoughts going into sydney knowing this was going to be your last go around and what were you thinking going forward
3: yeah i mean i i've always been the kind of person who who i you know i I, and this is a skill that i think i've i've actively developed but um but i honestly am not a planner in that way like i i literally just kind of stick myself in the moment and like that's all I'm focused on. Um, I'm never looking for my next job. I'm never looking for my next thing. Right. Like I've just never been like that. I am, I'm I'm hundred percent committed to what's happening now. Um, and I and I think you know when I when I talk and work with athletes today and you know we and you know there's a lot of anxiety associated with performance and just life in general. It's really because you're you're thinking about the future, or you're holding on to shit in the past. Like yep. it's just just be in the moment, and and I think it's it's probably the most important skill that we can develop. And and I and I think that's just a product of my growing up. That I I was like, gosh, I just have to I just have to live in the moment. Because if I try to think about what's going to happen two years from now, knowing that I have no idea what's going to happen two years from now, I would have driven myself absolutely crazy. So. I think at a very early age, and it's kind of trendy now, but but that's a skill that I, I think I developed, and and one that I, I think um, allowed me to to really uh, s- stay stay grounded in in what was important in that moment, and and allowed me to uh, I, I think you know just uh, be be successful, but um, you know just just really. Uh, Taken the full experience um, as as it was, as opposed to trying to think about what's happening next. Okay, let's camp camp right there.
1: Let's camp right there for just a second. Thank
0: you, thank you. (laughs) Because you're speaking to me right now, you're preaching to me right now. I'm the winner.
1: (laughs) Darren's Darren's (laughs) laughing at me because I'm the world's worst dreamer. I'm my mind is is three years down the road, four years down the road, and I have the hardest time appreciating where I am today. And so what you just said there just pierced me right in the chest uh, of how you look at things. So I'm curious, how do you look at goals? What, what's your relationship with with the future? And what's your relationship with what you're trying to accomplish?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think having a, you know, a idea of, of what you're trying to achieve is, is really important. Um, but I think how I, how I distill it you know, down to its finest point is, is I'm, I'm very conscientious of of what I value. You know, what is it that I want to be thinking about on a daily basis? And is my life set up in a way, do I have the outlets for the things that I, I say I value and that I care about? And I try to, I've on that weekly, um, just to make sure I'm staying on track. And if, if my behaviors align with what I say I value, everything else mm. in life corrects itself. Mm. Yeah, that's good. You know, so that's really what I try to focus on. You know, what is it that I want to be thinking about? Okay, does my work allow me to think about that? Um, and so I look at it from a role perspective. All right, I'm a, you know, I'm a mom and I'm professional. Okay, as a mother, what what are the, what are my values? You know, I want to be patient. I want to be tolerant. Um, I want to be present. So how do I facilitate that? What, what actions, what do I have to do uh, in order to live those values? Um, so that's really I center my kind of world around those two concepts, really, and and think about them daily. And if I can do those things, then like decision making's easy, right? Yeah.
0: Can I get a wait a minute? Can we get a clap can, can for, that, for that? Yeah. <laughs> but can I get a pat on the back? A no, W you can't. because hey, did, did no, not just reaffirm.
2: Darren, what I, think I, mean you get, saying, I think you get enough affirmation on that. No, the, you know, no, as it no. Is.
0: Chris, they, they don't want to give me any love because when I, I we've had this argument on this show, and I've been saying, like when I played football, it was what's right. I could only focus on what's in front of me. And you said it right earlier. Irrationally passionate yes. about what you're doing. And I made mention of this weeks ago. And we sat here on this show and argued for an hour. No, you need to start thinking about other things and this and that. And I've been like, no, you need to be dead focused on what's right in front of you. So can I get a, an amen? Can I get an amen? Because Hey, cause Kristen, Kristen hey, amen. Hey, thank thank you. you. Thank you for saying hey, Amen. It was maybe you may be on something. I, yeah, you
1: under- and, and your resume is saying this and her with her resume that outshines yours, yeah, by the way. Yes, if, it does. If she maybe you all are on this something, okay. I I I uh what's the word? I bow in defeat here. Yes,
3: yeah.
0: please
2: do. So Kristen, you transitioned from being a player and you spent, you know, over a decade coaching. Um, so how how did that you know click with you and resonate with you and okay now i'm i'm the one doing to now i'm the one coaching and and how has that kind of shaped you know the rest of your journey beyond coaching
3: yeah well, i always as a player i was always the kind of annoying kid who i'm like oh well this is the ball pattern because i watched korea play argentina and this is the number yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that, that was me. Um, yeah, I was like watching film, stealing film. Yeah, and and su- suggesting things to, to the coaches. Um, so yeah, I was kind of like that annoying player, but I, I've always just loved the tactical side of all sports. I mean, I, I love you know watching football and seeing the interactions and the routes that run and trying to pick that apart. Like, I, I mean, I just, I, I love tactics uh, just generally. So um, coaching was kind of a natural transition uh and i was as i was playing in my final kind of the back end of my career i was actually coaching at the university of iowa as an assistant so i was doing that for like 3 years was kind of you know managing playing and, and coaching at the same time so uh i and and actually when i was in college i was the assistant coach for the U19 national team what? so i i know i know it's so odd but i No i'm wondering I, how you
2: fit all this well, into it, a 24 yeah. hour day
3: <laughs> I mean I mean, <laughs> yeah, I just I live in my values. Yeah, I just live my values. No, I think uh, yeah. So I've I've always been really enjoyed this idea of transferring knowledge and uh, being able to help someone understand um, what is kind of like a a complicated game. Like being able to break it down and. Uh, and and just share my passion and love for, for the sport. So yeah, coaching was a very natural transition. And then at University of Iowa, I, I met two PhD students and I ended up being the research assistant. And we were working on this kind of performance education platform. And that's where my my I guess my first exposure to this concept of performance science and performance education was, was really born. And uh, and that was the I guess that planted the seed for me in terms of all of the future. Uh, education and learning. Uh, I, I took part in, and just on the physiological and psychological side. Mm. Of what so, was the entry? Yeah. What was
0: the entry? What what, what brought you to performance and science? What was it about? Um, yeah, that vertical that you loved.
3: Well, it's just the science behind. Like I, I always, in my heart, felt like performance is largely a choice, and 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 I and I think we. Assign so much gray area uh, to just our lives in general that we give ourselves an out when there's really, when we think about it, you know, through a science, really, there's really just no neutral action. You know, everything that we do is either going to upgrade our performance levels or it's going to downgrade our performance levels. There's very, very little in between. So if we understand what the factors are that influence our performance levels, right? On the physiological side and psychological side, and we control for them daily, we can choose our level of performance. <clears throat> now there's gonna be folks who are genetically more talented, they'll have you know, better skills and expertise. But if I wanna compete with those folks, I need to really understand how my lifestyle is going to allow me to optimally leverage my genetics and my skills and expertise. So if I can, so I guess I got really obsessed with this idea and it's not all about winning, but it's more about how do we get the the most out of each individual person? How do we optimize their potential? And it's really understanding the factors that actually influence motivation, energy production, arousal, uh, attentional capacity, right? So if we can understand from a scientific lens, what the factors that influence those things, then we can choose our level of performance, right? Providing, yeah. yeah. So so that was really kind of the genesis of of going down this path is just this idea, okay, performance can be a choice. Um, or if that's the goal, choosing our level of performance, how do we back into that? Know, right. What are the things that we have to do to, to really make that happen?
0: So I, well, let's jump into Whoop, if that's okay with you. Let, let's jump right yeah. on into this. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I wanna know how did this transition go into, Whoop, and I want want to know a lot more about Whoop, because I was, you know, first time we heard the name, first thing I thought was, where did they get the name from? Because it's such a catchy name. Give us some color and some background on on the company and how it got founded.
3: Yeah, so Will Ahmed, uh, he's our CEO and co-founder. He was a Harvard, uh, he played squash at Harvard, and, you know, Whoop, Really, what squash
1: is? Yeah, what's that? I'm just kidding. <laughs>
3: uh, whoop was just a term that they used in in the locker room to kind of uh, explain the energy level that day. You know, do you got your whoop on? Was kind of like one of the things. So whoop was just an endearing term that he um that that during his college years that he ended up using to um, name the company. It actually used to be Bobo, I think Bobo Analytics. So I'm glad we we didn't go with that. But <laughs> yeah, so. That's the, the genesis of Whoop. And what Will Will was really trying to unpack was, or what was always vexing him was this this idea that he never knew what to expect from his body. You know, he didn't understand why he peaked, you know, one year and didn't peak Appropriately the next year, or you know, just really trying to figure out, you know, how much volume do I put in my body? How much intensity do I put in my body? How do I know if I'm going to be ready tomorrow um, versus today? What are the behaviors that actually influence all that? So he he kind of just this idea that he just didn't know what to expect and didn't know how to control some of those factors that influ- were influencing his performance. He decided to 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 really build some technology that could give him insight into how his body was adapting to external stress. And that's really at our core, what we do at Whoop is we, we help you understand um, your adaptive capacity Um, and we help you understand that the behaviors that are going to help you really manage external stress in a, in a proactive, optimal way.
2: Mm. So uh, he founded this in 2012, correct?
3: Correct. Yes. Okay.
2: So at about that time, who was the leader in, you know, this, this, um, performance science, uh, performance science, science slash, uh, um, monitor. Yeah. 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 I mean, you had Apple, right? Cause Apple, I don't oh, think I had yeah. Apple watches out yet.
3: No po- polar, everything was chest strap, right? And yeah. if you guys know, chest straps are just. Not not great to, to wear, right? So, there are chest straps, but I think what what Will was trying was saw and, and definitely what I saw in my training environment because we were using all sorts of technology is that that snapshot in of time um, only gives us so much information, right? And and what we've seen in the analytics that we've done on on my team looking at tons of athletes and tons of you know um, performances is that what happens in your training environment. Does, there's no correlation between training volume and intensity and next day capacity that so what happens in that two-hour block of training does not predict your readiness tomorrow mm-hmm. so i think what will found is that this even though he was looking at a you know data from a chest strap during practice that still didn't tell him how he was going to perform tomorrow
0: uh-huh. right and that's
3: what Whoop. Right, because it's you yeah. wear it twenty four seven. So it's not just the two hours; it's the twenty four hours. And if you don't have insight into what's happening the twenty two hours outside of training, you're missing a huge, huge piece of of the puzzle. So right? tell me right? about
0: so if, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Keep going. I'm sorry.
3: No. So the twenty the twenty two hours are more predictive of next day capacity. If we go back to this concept of performance being a choice that's what it is right you know everyone is going to have access to those 2 hours of training they're going to have high end coaching they're going to have you know they they're 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 going to be applying effort whatever but yeah. it's the other 22 hours that determines yeah. number 1 the quality of your effort um, and and what your actual capacity is going to be during that training session. Yeah.
0: yeah. So tell us about that's heart rate heart rate variability. I mean, we keep on I keep on hearing that yeah. about whoop. Is is that yeah. that term? And I want you to educate us on on what heart rate, yeah. rate variability is.
3: Yeah. So that's one of the inputs to our recovery score. So our recovery score is on a scale of zero to one hundred, and it um, is bucketed into kind of three brackets: green, yellow, red. Green meaning you have um, the highest adaptive capacity. So you will be able to adapt to the demands of your environment in the, the best possible way. HRV is kind of a, is a measurement that helps us understand your adaptive capacity. Mm-hmm. So it's a function of the heart, but it originates in the autonomic nervous system. And just some quick science, guys. You yeah, ready? Please. No, this is perfect. perfect. Hey, look at um, that. No, Thank okay, okay, you. Uh, Eyes glaze go over. Ahead. Yeah. Dumb it uh, down uh, to no. us. No, no, <laughs> no, this
1: is awesome. I love okay. this. Keep going.
3: Okay. So, so, and this comes back to really heart rate variability is um, it's it just it's the most important metric you can track because it takes into consideration not just physical adaptation, but also the mental and kind of the psychological side of things. So it's the best estimator of how you are trending mentally and physically. So it's this wonderful metric that incorporates a ton of different stuff. So it originates in the autonomic nervous system, you have two branches, you have the parasympathetic and the sympathetic branch, they're both competing to send signals to your heart. The more responsive your heart is to both signals, the more variability you are going to have. Variability and the the measurement of variability is kind of the the between the heartbeats. So the interval of time between heartbeats is when heart variability is how you measure heart rate variability. So the more variability you have between heartbeats, the more adaptive you will be to whatever you know comes your way in you know, in the environment. So take take football, for example. So I'm on the football field, I've got a really low recovery, I have a very low heart rate variability, I'm going to be less um, responsive to a guy coming from my right. Okay, because not only is my reaction time going to be compromised with low variability, but my peripheral vision will also be compromised. So it, it affects and in my decision-making, my ability to access my resiliency and my leadership, you know, with low variability, all of those things will be compromised, right? So right. there's this incredible incentive to figure out how to design your training and your life in a way to maximize heart rate variability. I want
2: to I wanna stick on that. So when, when I played, and, I, and I, I retired four years ago. Um, we used, we use GPS monitors on, on players, right. They throw them in our pads and, and they would measure, you know, the distance traveled. And and to your point earlier, like, okay, we can, there's a ton of stuff out there that can measure that two hours of, of, you know, extensive training. Um, but that has no like predication on what tomorrow is going to be like. So what we did is, okay, Hey, uh, Jeff Heath, Uh, you covered, you know, three and a half miles in practice, therefore you worked harder than everybody. So you're sitting out tomorrow or you're Mm -hmm. taking a reduced schedule. When in reality, like that doesn't have as much, nearly as much to do with the 22 hours outside of it and how you're recovering, how you can actually perform. So in in, in essence, you could be taking away from athletes if you're not measuring all of it, and then also, but like, I think that the biggest thing here that you guys do a great job of is, okay, it's a lifestyle. We can measure your lifestyle. We measure what kind of consumption you take, whether it's, you know, alcohol, whether it's food, whether, you know, how you mm-hmm. sleep, all of the things that, that, like you said, right? Okay. These are the goals and we're going to break down how to back into achieving those goals, the level of performance that you want. Here are the metrics that you need to live. And if you have a roadmap and, and athletes, especially, and I think I think the general public can learn a lot from athletes. Um, But if athletes have a plan, they can go execute, right? Like they go down the list and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because it's going to let me achieve this. I think where even me now not being an athlete is it's hard because it's like, well, I just gotta be better. I've gotta sleep more, yeah. and I've gotta drink less alcohol. And, there's and, data, I've and I've gotta, no data, you don't right? have the data and I don't behind have it, exactly. right? And, and, and it's really hard to access. And like Apple Watch, okay, you know, you, and nothing against Apple, and this isn't a, a a bash on them, but it's like okay, gonna gonna measure steps, gonna measure heart rate. Okay, cool. Like, what does that really tell me about the goals that I want to achieve?
3: Yeah, and it, I think it's an like when you transition from a professional you know, athletic career, it's kind of an interesting question. And I, and I think, you know, can I be present for the things that matter to me? Mm-hmm. Right? And I think at a fundamental level, we're all trying to be present for the things that matter to us. That's and right. if you don't understand how your lifestyle influences your ability to be present for the things that you matter to you, then you're you're kind of, You're going to be missing out on a lot of your potential in the, in this life and, and just your capacity to be available, right, for the things that matter to you. So really, I think at, at its core, you know, Whoop is, yeah, 100%. It's, it's a great tool for professional athletes, but it's a great tool for us who are, yeah. are down our players, yeah. careers, who are trying to be as available for our life as humanly possible. I need that peripheral
2: yeah. for my yeah, kids.
0: Exactly. <laughs> you know, what, the, what, what, what you're saying, and I think Talia was getting at it as well, is, the one thing I've always noticed as an athlete is that there—I had good days, and I used to always try to figure out and try to bottle <laughs> that feeling when I when I went out on that field and I was like, man, for some reason, man, I just it feel great. But then their hips
2: feel lubed uh, up. Yeah, my hips feel. Hurt. I mean, I just feel like yeah.
0: I'm on par to go out and play whatever game it is. So then I come back the the following Sunday. And I feel like shit walking out there. And what I wanted to always wanted to figure out how do I bottle that up to I to where I feel the exact same consistent great feeling each and every week. And and I think that's the consistency that everyone's looking. It's for. called steroids, Darren. No
3: question about that. And and that's and that's really the the premise of this thesis is that. You know the the zone or flow like this is not something we have. It's it's not you don't have to guess, right? There's there's AI that can help you understand how to get to that um, on a consistent level. And and that's I I think my career has always been trying to really solve that. You know I, I you know what what do we need to think about? What are the core things that we need to build into our habits and our routines that are gonna enable us to perform consistently, not just one championship or two championships, how do we do it every year, right? What are the things that we have to control for? And it does largely come down, yeah, you know, training load, volume intensity is really important, modulating that, very important, but it's really the education around that. And and that's what WOOP does, it's a self-empowerment tool. It's gonna help you understand how your behaviors are allowing you to have the capacity to be optimally available for whatever it is that you want to do in your life yes. you can see very very quickly how alcohol before bed is going to influence your sleep architecture mm. and is going to influence your next day capacity yeah. it will manifest in heart rate variability you'll have your heart rate variability will be you know up to 25 percent you know lower than your baseline right and you're like fuck like what am i doing like right. and so that's why you know athletes, you know, folks on our platform, we see almost an 89% reduction in alcohol consumption. It doesn't mean people don't drink, oh. but they start to drink smarter, they, they recognize, I know, it's insane. Um, we'll spend more time in bed, they, they start to shift their behaviors. I mean, one of the things that I found is that when I eat food close to bed, my heart rate variability is 17% lower. Okay, low, not good. High, good. Yeah, 17% I- lower and this is huge amounts of data we're not talking about three point data points we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of data points right because i've been on the platform forever and tracking this stuff but um so i could say with a level of confidence that food close to bedtime is not good for me i can say that for most folks um that we've been able to observe these data but um but yeah you start to understand you take the guesswork out of consistently performing like if i want to perform consistently not just twice a month or not you know just 10 times this magical moment across a year but if I want to be fucking good every day yeah. okay what are the factors that are actually going to influence yeah. that and yeah. how do I control for it yeah
2: what do I eliminate out of my lifestyle that and there's yeah. no more excuse anymore yeah. right like there's no excuse because it's identifying those markers
1: that that challenge performance yeah and what, what I love about that yeah. is you're going from general guidelines which is where most of our brains go when we think how do I optimize performance well let me look at a study or let me look at an article what works for most people, quote unquote. Right. Whereas the that's loop right. strap gives you individualized, <clears throat> personalized, direct information about me, Ben Gibbs. What is going to be best for me and my performance, and that's what I love. What you guys are doing.
3: Because yep. how you metabolize a banana is different than me. Exactly. Right. Like this is the facts, right? Like Ben's in bananas whole, by the way.
2: So he definitely <laughs> metabolizes banana I have no idea why
3: I use that example,
1: but um, <laughs> yeah, let, let's jump over that. <laughs> <laughs> Just <edit> that out. <laughs> This is a family uh-huh. show, guys.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, no,
0: until you're, anyway,
1: yeah, no, until you anyway. Yeah, no, exactly what you're
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, exactly what you It's it's all personal. So you mentioned you mentioned alcohol, you mentioned sleep. What are other ways that, that what are the things that factor into our heart rate variability day to day? And, and um, is it something that you can change from day to day?
3: It 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 absolutely changes. And it's normal for it for it to change, but um where I think the insight from whoop is, is helpful is that, you know, normal variation is, is, is completely normal. So if, if for example, I'm trying to get fitter, I'm in a kind of a functional overreaching type of zone or, you know, kind of phase in my training, you would suspect for your heart rate variability to be suppressed and your resting heart rate to increase, right? you're putting stimulus on your body, your body's accepting that stimulus. I'm getting stronger. I'm getting faster. Where whoop helps you is you don't want to get too far from your baseline where that training becomes non-functional right Mm. where i'm not actually adapting in a functional way so we kind of help you understand what that sweet spot for training is depending on what your physiological intent is if i'm just maintaining just trying to you know just maintain my fitness levels you don't need as much variation from week to week but if i'm trying to get fitter you definitely want to try to drive those numbers down a bit because you're putting on the, the load and the intensity, but then you want to bounce back up after a taper period. So yeah. kind of help that, that journey. So, so training volume and intensity does influence heart variability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can go through the other things that are like most salient, but sorry,
1: you have a question. No, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. I got a question. Um, yeah, go ahead.
3: So volume and intensity, you know, can can influence it for sure. And again, you need to think about that in context or your physiological intent. Um, the other uh, factor that is super influential is the how well you buffer, you map stress with appropriate amounts of rest throughout the day. Uh, and we don't really realize this, but generally speaking, we're driving our cortisol all day long right we're like pumping the sympathetic branch of our nervous system because we're going from one meeting to the next we're you know we're engaged we're always activated right we're on our phones we're looking at instagram we're on linkedin we're answering emails we're you know signing our kid up for you know fall hockey like we're doing all sorts of shit all the time so um where i think we fall down or where that ends up um uh, influencing our heart variability is is this negative stress accumulation is is kind of what it's called in in, in psychology and what that ends up doing is it interferes with your ability to fall asleep um, or if you're so tired you end up falling asleep right away it will get it will fragment your sleep during the night so you don't get as restorative mm. sleep so buffering stress with moments of rest is probably one of the most important skills. Um, and I can go into different techniques, but you know, box breathing folks can look it up a super easy technique, you know, do it for 90 seconds. It's just a a technique of breathing. Um, that's basically, you know, the box breathing, you know, it, your vagus nerve basically picks up on the lung expansion and releases acetylcholine, which tells your heart rate to, um, You know to to go down and that's really what you're trying to do with breathing is you're trying to go from a heightened state activated sympathetic state to a parasympathetic state and again this concept of being able to um, help your heart like be responsive to to both inputs of of the autonomic nervous system which again is a sign that you're able to adapt your environment
1: yeah box breathing that's in four seconds hold for four out for four that, that protocol is that correct
3: exactly Exactly. Yeah. And what's, and what's helpful too. And, and I think, you know, Sam Harris is like my go-to yeah. guru on yes. pretty much everything. But, um, but I would say for folks who want to start down this path of, you know, meditation, I think it's, he particularly appeals to athletes and that it doesn't feel, you know, kind of really yoga ish and, you know, woo woo. It's, it's just really straightforward. Um, and uh, and there's a lot of kind of flexibility within it, but the the app is called Waking Up, um, and I, and I find it really useful. And there's just tons of great content around mindfulness and meditation and breathing. But um, but yeah, breath uh, box breathing is just is probably the simplest technique I would say. An important variation is is just to keep everything through your nose. Uh, mouth breathing is really um, not useful, really in in any form. So uh breathing through your nose during this protocol, I think is especially uh, helpful.
1: I've I've even heard of people taping I forget where it may have been Sam Harris. It may have been where I heard this you put a piece of tape over your mouth while you sleep. Not not enough to completely cut off all your air, but just enough to kind I of literally
2: your
1: And it forces you to breathe in and out through your nose while you're sleeping. Have you heard of that or did I just completely make that up?
3: Made up. Oh, no, no. That is a hundred percent thing. Um yeah. Yeah, breathing through your your mouth is is not uh, is not great, and uh, and so yeah, I think developing I think what the concept of taping your mouth is just a forcing function to develop that skill of breathing through out, out through your nose because we kind of lose that over time um, for a whole host of reasons, but um, but yeah, the, there's quite a bit of oxidative stress um, on your body when you're you know trying to breathe through your your mouth, um, and it definitely influences sleep. Um, so how you can kind of no, you definitely want to sleep with your mouth closed. Mm. It's really, really important. Um, wait well, so Wait a, wait
2: to wait a minute! I, I think we need to pause. I think we need to. I think we need to pause real quick and put a disclaimer out there. The Darren Woodson Show does not recommend that anybody try taping their mouth shut. Nor are we qualified to prescribe no. that
1: technique. Well, anybody, oh my God! As cavemen, we used to breathe through our mouths, so we're we're fighting a caveman mentality. Yeah, right well, see, that's what my wife does
0: all the time. She's always clothes above (laughs) off
3: off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're we're talking on this, on this
1: heart rate. Sorry, go ahead.
3: Yeah. No, I would say that it's worth the audience uh, definitely researching uh, why (laughs) nasal breathing is really important and, and why they might want to consider adopting that. And there's definitely some products out there that you can Use other than just tape that will help you um, develop this kind of really important skill of, of nasal breathing.
0: So, so I got a question for you as far as monitoring this, and we don't, you know, none of us actually. Ben's the only one with the. Whoops. Well, I was going to
1: ask her an actual question about the loop since I'm the only one that has one.
0: There you go. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead, then Go ahead, it's your show.
1: Yeah, we're talking about heart rate the variability. Name. Yeah, your names on the, the show. Ben yeah, Gibbs okay. show. Look <laughs> it up. Talking <laughs> about heart rate variability. So we do have all these data points, and, and it's and it's good feedback. And I, like this morning, for instance, I was forty three percent recovery, and but I woke up feeling great, and and I did my workout first thing in the morning. And I felt good. So where's the difference there of of what the numbers tell me, but actually feeling pretty good? I'm assuming it's the recovery aspect. That yeah, I might feel good, but I'm not getting the most out of the training that I could based on my recovery score.
3: Yeah, there you know there's not always going to be a perfect map between kind of your psychological state, like how you feel and what's happening physiologically. Like you can wake up and feel good. You woke up in the lightest phase of sleep. You know, there could be a lot of things going on. You had a great conversation with your loved one, you know, whatever. Um, That could put you in a mind frame where you feel good. (laughs) (laughs)
1: He's a child. He's a 51-year-old child.
3: <laughs> um, so, yeah. So your, how you feel psychologically is not always going to map with what's happening internally. And that's where WHOOP can be really valuable, right? Like even right. though you feel good, I guarantee you kind of get into the workout and, and maybe it doesn't end up being as, as good as you feel psychologically, right? So, I think that's and there's also there can be a a lag as well so if you have a really tough weightlifting session you know 24 hours before like it might not catch up to a couple days after um uh in in terms of what we see in heart rate variability right and how it manifests in recovery so um so there's a lot of really complicated things happening physiologically and that's where the data is super helpful right because we don't we don't know all those things that are happening internally. We can't, um, we can't perceive them. Right. And, and so the data just helps us gives us subjective quantified insight into actually how my body is a trend is trending and adapting. So it doesn't mean that if you have a lower recovery, it doesn't mean you don't train. Maybe you modify your volume and intensity slightly, but generally speaking do as you normally would do, and then see how you rebound the next day. And if you don't rebound then that means okay now i really actually probably need to reduce my volume and intensity so you know a single day you know evaluating it you know uh the data you know kind of daily in absolute terms is is i think less valuable than looking at, at it over the course of a, a three-day trend mm-hmm. um, i think that's the way to to, to think um, about the data and just okay. seeing how you respond and adapt one What's of the important.
2: things i love that that you brought up just a couple minutes ago was You know, for those maybe that uh, are starting a fitness journey um, that, okay, hey, I'm starting to, you know, exercise or lift or whatever it is. And, you know, I'm cleaning up my diet. For a lot of people, it gets very discouraging, you know, for the first, you know, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, because they're not seeing the results. But what this does is, is it can start to measure, and you can start to celebrate the little victories along the way. We talk about this on mm-hmm. the show, right? When you pick a goal and say, "Hey, I'm going to lose 100 pounds," it's really easy to get distracted if you're not celebrating the little victories along the way. And so, this is a tool for those of you that are, 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 you know, about to embark on a, a wellness journey. Um, this is an unbelievable way to measure the success that that you that you are having because. Although you may not be seeing it physically, there's there's actually productivity going on by changing your lifestyle.
3: Yeah, and what's cool is you can see it internally. I, you know, when I started measuring heart rate variability way back, it was awesome to see my resting heart rate decrease as I got fitter, and my heart rate variability increase as I started to impl- improve my time in bed and, and starting to get better quality of sleep and, you know, started making different choices uh, in terms of my diet and, and starting, you know, to build in meditation, you know, all these just little things that I was building into my day, I could see that actually manifest in my heart variability in a positive way. And that was really encouraging. So I could see actually myself getting cardiovascularly more fit, right. Mm-hmm. That, and, and that obviously helps in my workouts, but just helps me with just my day-to-day being able to engage, you know, in a, in a way that's, you know, optimal and feels good. So, um, yeah, that's, that's such a great point.
1: You mentioned earlier, uh, clearly benefits for athletes yeah. and people that are participating mm-hmm. in sports. There's, there's clear benefits. What about for the people that are listening that aren't in athletics? They do enjoy fitness, but why would I get a whoop strap if, if I'm not trying to perform yeah. at some? Yeah. And, and to
0: the, the piggyback on that, it's basically for, for a guy like me at 51 years old, I'm looking for, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with the stress of the day-to-day. I'm, I can't sleep at night. I want to know how I measure that uh, via the whoop.
3: Yeah, gosh. Uh, you know, and you're not alone. Like, I, I think that's, it, it, well, when we think about, if we talk about sleep just for a second, I mean, it's the most important behavioral experience we have as human beings, right? It's so, so important. You know, it's it's insufficient or short sleep, and I don't want to terrify anyone, but it's the root cause to all mortality, Mm. right so it's worth every ounce of your investment to figure out how to get it right it is not just a luxury like it is like good quality sleep is a necessity for longevity and mental and physical wellness and exercise protocols diet protocols like none of those are can be effective or optimized if your sleep is not where it needs to be because that is the bedrock, that's the foundation that all of these protocols are built on top of, mm. right? So, if you know, it's I, I say this to athletes all the time, but it it's, applies to all of us. You know, sleep is literally the the greatest legal performance enhancer on this planet.
0: Mm. That's good. So
3: that is something. So it's. it's It's in, there's, there's a couple aspects about sleep that are really important. And and this is what, where the data can be so helpful because just spending enough time in bed is, is not the, not the answer, you know, Darren, you could spend say 12 hours in bed, but only get, you know, only 6% of that is spent in deeper stages. It was all junk sleep, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're not actually, you're not waking up feeling refreshed, right? Like you want to wake up feeling refreshed right? And, and that's really contingent on the quality of your sleep. So you back into quality by understanding, of course, how much time do I actually need to spend in bed? And that's what whoop will tell you, you know, when I first got on the platform, I was probably, you know, spending eight and a half hours in bed, which is a, a long time, but my quality wasn't great. You know, I didn't have, you know, what my room probably wasn't cold enough. It wasn't dark enough. Um, it wasn't quiet enough, you know, so just the hygiene stuff. And then certainly, you know, my behaviors leading up to bed were not optimized. You know, my meal timing, my content, the quality, um, you know, was I proactively buffering stress during the day? Not not actively, right? Um, you know, was I Drinking alcohol before bed, you know, close to bedtime. Yeah, a fair amount. Like, you know, I was just doing a lot of things that were getting in the way of my ability to have consolidated, quality, right. nocturnal sleep. Gosh. This, so, whoop measures all that for you and helps that, you. Understand that, that, what
0: that's what I'm, I'm curious about, about though. Is again, Tyler and I don't have the whoop, and Ben has not been, you know, yeah. proactive in sharing with us. So thank you for, for, you're you're a grown man. That's what I'm
3: here for. (laughs) But I want to know how you read. I don't think you can
2: read whoop straps on your Nokia phone.
1: So the the letters aren't going to be (laughs) big enough for you. I I
0: guess what I'm trying to figure out is it's an app, right? So it's tied to, it's tied to the app. And then do I have to have someone help me read through this process? Yes. You have to have somebody help you read
1: through the process. Absolutely.
3: (laughs) Anywho. Well, it's, the, the the app is super intuitive and, um, you know, we have tons of material out there, you know, from the form of podcasts and locker posts and, you know, where we help folks kind of understand how to think about the data, but, but generally speaking, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's, it will give you a notification based again on your, your history when you should be going to bed so we'll kind of help you with um one of the most important tenets of um the pillars of sleep is this sleep wake regularity or consistency you know we measure your consistency and we we give you notifications on when you should go to bed when you should wake up based on your history how much time you need to spend in bed in order to get that restorative sleep Um, we we help you understand how much time you're spending in each stage of sleep um, and you know, generally speaking about 40% of the time you spend in bed, you want to be in these deeper stages of sleep.
0: Right. So we
3: give you all these insights um, in inside the app. So it's, it's really over time, you really start to learn your body, you learn yourself um, and then you start to learn your behaviors and how they correlate positively or negatively to the data that we're tracking.
0: You know what, it's, you know, I've done myself, both of us have done ourselves yes. an injustice because yes. our, our show, this show is built around, mental performance and mental and physical performance and right. both Tyler and I Ben is taking advantage of us because he's killing us in workouts and all that but he's got oh. the whoop strap so he's monitoring himself we're in yeah I, I don't know how we do this after this after we get off the show but I am all the way in and I'm in because of one thing one yeah. of the reasons what that I'm really in that I really want to get around is the fact that I don't sleep I just yeah. I may sleep three four hours of the day. I'm up three or four times a night, and I'm always up at about four thirty five o'clock, and I'm stressed, and I can't go back to sleep. And if I do fall back asleep, then I'm cranky at six thirty on. Uh, so I I need to find a way to measure that and and just be uh, just be healthier because we're we're talking about this yeah. and we're talking about providing this not a service but we're talking about mental and physical. Performance, Mm -hmm. but we need to practice. Yeah. We need to live it. We need to live it. And after this show, we're doing, we're getting a whoop strap. So, you know, moving forward, how much time we have? I was
1: just going to say that. Well go ahead. I would say
2: a couple a couple real life examples, some some recent news that you guys are doing. I think with the pandemic and all that, like you know, people and and I don't think you guys claim to say, hey, we can tell if you have corona before it shows up, but there are signs in there that have shown that okay, hey, look, if you if you have these two, three uh, readings, be aware you know, you, you may be at risk, but the PGA is one that you guys are doing some work with right now. Talk through that relationship. And then the most recent, the NFLPA.
3: Yeah. So PGA, LPGA, and and most recently NFLPA. Yeah. So the marker that has kind of emerged as, you know, kind of the canary in the coal mine is respiratory rate. So we've always tracked respiratory rate and we actually were the only wearable technology that has respiratory rate validated. Um, we did uh, we got it validated. Um, We've had an external study uh, with the University of Arizona, and it's, you know, we were Ooh. able to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tell oh, you I know. T- you're NSU. Yeah. Yeah. And so when this whole COVID outbreak occurred, we started looking at our data, and the trend that we saw in the data was an elevated respiratory rate. Yeah, respiratory rate. And see, when you, COVID-19 is a, it's a lower track, you know, uh, issue, right? And, you know, flu and, and other, you know, kind of non-COVID sick illnesses are generally upper respiratory tract. We're able to see really quickly that, okay, flu and COVID sick look very different in our population, and the one thing, specific thing that's in these two populations was respiratory rate. So and and sure enough, as we started analyzing our data, and as folks were you know you know uh, being diagnosed and, and were testing positive for COVID, we were able to look at that data, and sure enough, they all had you know a elevated respiratory rate up to seventy percent off their baseline. Mm-hmm. So and that's and, and that's kind of what happened with the PGA is that Nick Watney tested negative, and forty eight right. hour, hours later, in his WHOOP data, he saw that his respiratory rate was elevated very much, you know, up to, I think 20% relative to his baseline. He self-isolated, called the doctors, got a test and ended up testing positive. So that was kind of the whole, that what got the whole PGA, you know, partnership kind of rolling and accelerated Accelerated really was just this whole kind of Nick Watney. And we're like, wow, this, and again, we're, we're, we're one layer of protection like there you know you still need to do testing and you still need to have all these other protocols in place but we just will help i think capture some of these cases that would otherwise fall through the cracks and i think that's where um whoop is is emerging as just this unbelievable tool Uh, in addition to all these other benefits that we we talked about uh, earlier in terms of helping you know uh folks understand the behaviors that are most strongly associated with you know being able to get that quality sleep that you need um, and, and Darren, those behaviors are generally during the day, um, mm. just so you'll have to kind of change some of your daytime behaviors in order to, to, to really um, get the sleep that you need. Um, I think folks don't always realize that, they just kind of expect it's everything that's happening at night, but it's really all the daytime behaviors that set you up for that quality night sleep. Um, and we, we can talk offline about that if you want. <laughs> I'm no, happy absolutely. No, I, um, I, I love yeah. the
1: Whoop strap and it, it's, I, I can't recommend it anymore to, to the people listening to this. Um, you, you mentioned you guys have a podcast. So com, I assume to, to go buy the strap, but where can we yep. learn more information beyond, beyond this episode? Uh, Cause you said yeah. you, you guys have a podcast.
3: Yep. We do have a podcast. So if you go to um, and you go to the locker, uh, that's where, all of our uh, performance articles so um, tons of articles that you know we write on on how to maximize sleep how to reduce uh you know how to you know, how to think about sleep consistency you know how to um how does alcohol impact recovery you know we basically dig into everything so we have the written kind of form and then we also have podcasts um so uh one of my my colleagues emily capitolupo she's our uh vice president of data science and research she and i did I think about twenty podcasts last year? Just all educational, really oh, like, awesome. digging in super deep to uh, all of these concepts that we're talking about.
1: There you go, Darren. There's your yeah. answer for how you read the absolutely yeah, yeah. get happened. on the podcast. Yeah, get on sure. The
0: podcast. So I, we we breezed over the NFLPA uh, relationship. How does that? Yeah, go- how, you know, how did that get started?
3: Yeah. So it actually, gosh, I think it was way back in two 2000- thousand. 16 2017 we uh, formed this partnership with the NFLPA uh, and it really was just around um, being able to provide you know every active football player with um, access to a whoop strap and that was really the foundation or, or premise behind the partnership uh, with just the intent of you know helping them you know better understand you know how their body was responding and adapting to the demands of, of football season, and how to think about off-season training, and just really using Whoop as a tool. Uh, so that was kind of the the genesis of the partnership. And then, just most recently, we kind of just rebranded that part. You know what has been an existing partnership and, and kind of helped frame it in in this new world of COVID, and you know just with this concept of being able to monitor your respiratory rate and 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 I think too the you know, it's, it's about resilience as well. So, mm-hmm. and I think we were remiss in this world, you know, in the, in the world that we live in right now, you know, to talk about, to, to talk about COVID and not, not mention, you know, what are the, what are the things that are going to help me uh, if I do get COVID, be able to beat it right. <laughs> uh, and, and beat it quickly, or, or maybe not even get symptoms um, versus, you know, p- putting myself in a position where I get COVID and I die, right? You know, what are, what are the, be- what are the behaviors, right? That are going to help protect me. And, and that's the other thing that whoop does it, it's it builds resilience. It accelerates your wisdom around how your body adapts to stress and you, as a result, you become a more resilient human mentally and physically, mm. right? Cause you understand, you understand how to get, to, to get the quality rest that you need. You understand that you start to understand how to modulate you know, recovery and strain in appropriate ways, right? Based on your capacity for okay. that day. You know, you, you just start to think about your whole lens and in terms of how you think about your own individual behaviors will change. It just changes. Yeah. So you're, um, I mean, when you have exposure I, to this quantified insight.
0: I love that because you gotta be hyper, fo- if you wanna change self, you gotta be hyper-focused on self. And you so gotta true. go through all the resources that are, again, I'm so, I'm in. And Tyler, Tyler's in I'm, absolutely right I'm literally going right on to join me right so,
3: now. <laughs> no, we'll get you, we'll get you straps.
0: <laughs> what's, what's the future look like for Whoop? I know, you know, we've talked about the PGA, the NFL, PA. What's the future look like? Not only in the sports arena, but also outside of the sports arena.
3: Yeah, well, you know, I wish I could talk about it. We're about to make a huge announcement tomorrow. Hey,
2: this literally won't air for at least till after tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay. Are you sure?
2: I swear. I I, <laughs> I promise. Um,
3: we no are a part of the largest uh, phase three COVID-19 uh, vaccine trial. Oh, and, oh that's awesome. Yeah. So we're that the first awesome. verbal technology to be used in a phase three vaccine trial. I'll take it
1: back. We're releasing this later
2: today. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right I know. Absolutely
2: not. That is awesome. So I yeah, mean this
3: it's really exciting. So I, I think the future is really, you know, we've we've always had a goal of of you know, having a, of having a robust enterprise business, but it just hasn't scaled at the same rate as our mm-hmm. consumer business. Right. Our consumer business is just, you know, has really taken off. And we've always kind of, and to be fair, we didn't have validation. So you know, when we're talking about teams and sports scientists, and if you're not validated externally, it's 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 just a hard conversation to have. And same thing for companies to adopt a technology that isn't validated these are hard conversations but now that we're through validation we've proven ourselves to be the mo- most accurate you know wearable technology and our our ai is just unbelievable and it's this elegant application and all of that is is where it needs to be you know there's no reason now that we shouldn't be able to have this really you know thriving enterprise yeah. business running alongside our consumer so yeah. i think that's you know that's really where the you know the, the growth of our company i think um you know, I think obviously we just continued to blow up on the consumer side, yeah. but I think the enterprise side is really where um, the future is.
2: And I could see like insurance companies like either giving some sort of discount, or I mean, there's got to be that application. I don't know if that, maybe that's in place now, but I mean, you got to think like Blue Cross yeah. Blue Shield, you know, uh, yeah. United, United I mean, all these healthcare yeah. like they they have to they have to incentivize their customers to wear these because I mean, think about just. You mentioned just heart rate, right? Like the yeah. cardiovascular aspect. That is that is the number one reason okay. for mortality, right? right? Which relates to sleep, which relates to diet, which relates to yep. all the things that you measure. So and then not to mention like the ability to connect this with your actual physician. So say you are at risk, like, okay, Hey, he's got access to my, to my whoop numbers. Okay. He's seen an elevated heart rate. There's all these signs. Okay. Now, Hey, you need to go to a doctor before this heart attack actually hits you.
1: Well, like, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Cause I, this is probably bad to admit, but I never go to the doctor and, you know, you see your doctor once a year or twice a year, whatever it is, but this, you have daily, I mean, this is your daily feedback. Yeah, your daily right? Doctor, here. Writer, not, yeah. not that you're going to say, Hey, don't go to the doctor. Just use your whoop strap. But this is giving you daily feedback of how you're doing as opposed to, you know, that one or two, two time a year conversation you have with your doctor.
3: Yeah. I mean, when you talk about, you know, disease and, you know, psychiatric disorders and, you know, it manifests in sleep first, yeah. everything manifests in sleep. You know, so having visibility into that is massive and not to mention, like if something crazy is going on, heart rate variability, it, you know, it, your heart rate variability is going to be impacted. Your resting heart rate is going to be impacted. So having a daily lens into those markers, it certainly can't hurt, you know, right. so yeah. when we talk about, exactly. you know, when we talk about doing harm, exactly. right? Like when I think about it from like, you know, my the psychological lens, like, you know, we're not doing any harm. Right. Um, for for the most part, you know, it's, it, this is really just about having, you know, information about, um, you know, the, the, the trends of your, your body and, and, um, and being inside that, you know, just allows you a level of control, Mm -hmm. um, that I, that I really think is the path to self-rule, you know,
2: you think that, I mean, and maybe, you know, your R and D team is is looking at this, but you know, the implant idea, is this something that you guys are potentially looking at in the future? And I mean, cause I, I don't know from a power standpoint, how you could sustain that, but you know, an annual implant where it's like, Hey, we don't have, I don't have it on my wrist. I can just actually literally implant whoop into my body somewhere. I mean, is that something you guys are looking yeah.
3: at? I mean, all I can say is that we would love for whoop to disappear on your body. Yeah.
2: So Fair enough. There you go. Fair enough. That's, That's a good, good answer.
0: answer. Tyler, <laughs> we're, we're, <laughs> Tyler, Tyler, you guys can do all the research yeah. on Tyler. Hey, whatever. We'll start hey, off hey, with. Hey, yeah. Guinea pig. He's a, he's
1: a great monkey to look at. <laughs> <laughs>
0: look, I, I know we're going to wrap up here. We're going to wrap up here really quick. But one of the questions I do have is for you, it, for you is, you know, I do a lot of work in the inner city. Um, and one of the things I always talk about is a level playing field because I firmly feel like there's not a level playing field as it pertains to those kids that just don't have the opportunity, nor the resources, you know, is there anything you guys are doing with young kids right now? It doesn't have to, it doesn't matter, you know, where it is or what it is, but is there, are you guys doing any research with, on some of the youth as far as what they're doing in school and the resources that you could provide, provide them?
3: Yeah. So we have a little bit of a challenge in that our algorithms are only trained on, folks who have hit puberty. Mm. So anything, any kids under that age, um, we, you can't use WHOOP. <laughs> but um, but hopefully there's a future where we can kind of go into to that group. But I would say just, um, I, I guess at a, a high level, um, where, and, and if you can't tell, I'm like very passionate about sleep, but I would love to figure out a way to be able to transfer some of the sleep education knowledge to these families um, and children in these underserved communities. Because honestly, that is like developmentally, um, you know, if you think about, you know, the symptoms of ADHD, for example, and you look at a person who has insufficient sleep, there's no difference between, you know, the the ear you know the irritability and the the mood and the lack of attention, lack of focus, lack of concentration, um, you know, behavioral problems. It, it's it, you know, and, and I and I'm careful about how I say this, but I, I think there's if if we can if we can get sleep, you know, it's not gonna be perfect, but if we can start there, a lot of things will start to correct themselves. And I and I know there's just so many challenges associated with that, but you know exercise and diet are are and and we've seen this you know I've done a lot of research with United Healthcare on on this topic um, looking at various populations Tyler, to your point previously we're you know definitely been inside this world trying to figure out how to how to make more wi- widely available across various populations but um, you know, I think in, in terms of our youth, this is, it is it's an epidemic, it's epidemic proportions yeah, right yeah. now that the, the yeah. lack of sleep and, it, and I think it's influencing every part of a child's development. Right. So, and I think about, you know, my kids and how much knowledge they have around just human performance generally. And, you know, they've, it's, it's, I just feel, I do feel a responsibility to figure out how to get at these underserved communities. So I, it's something I've been thinking about for, for years, frankly. Um, so.
0: We need to yeah. work on something like that. Yeah. 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 We yeah. can spearhead that for sure. Listen again, you know, I know wow. Ben has his, yeah. uh, your final question.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Our que- this was,
1: <laughs> I say it almost every episode, but I'm like, this is my favorite episode we've ever done. Yeah. This, is, <laughs> this is so cool. Uh, <laughs> 100%. but the question we like to ask every guest at the end of the show, uh, this goes back more towards your journey um if you could go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing where do you go and what do you tell yourself
3: being me is enough
0: (laughs) wow
2: yeah that is great that's something i think just a lot of us need to tell
0: ourselves
3: I, I literally, I, I like say that. I'd say that to myself, like just every day. But yeah, I, I think it's you know we get stuck on the enormity, you know, of and and just the social comparisons, and you know, I think, I think just really, um, just like no one is gonna beat me at being me, right? So just be me and just do that as honestly and you know as much joy and like, as possible and like probably turn out. Okay. You know? So, um, yeah, that's, uh, you said, I, I wish I kind of, yeah.
1: You, you said a What's lot that? of profound and great things on this episode. That might be the best thing you said. Yeah. Love that. Um, yeah.
2: Well, well, thank you so, so much for, for taking time with us today. Um, one walking us through your journey, um, that really is an incredible story of, of things that, you know, you had to overcome early on and moving and challenges. And, and I'm sure there's things that, that you overcame that, that you didn't share, but to accomplish the things that you did, to have the mindset um, and just the, the passion for excellence that you do. Thank you for sharing that with us mm-hmm. and, and our listeners. And then thank you for what you're doing at Whoop. Yeah. I mean, honestly, awesome. the impact that, that Whoop is going to make on our culture um, you know, just for, for. I mean, our benefit for years and years to come is, is going to be incredible and, and so excited to be a part of the whoop family here soon. Um, and so, but thank you so much for today. Gosh, like, like you said, yeah. like, you know, at first, like when, when Ben and Darren, and we were talking about this episode, we we're like, all right, cool. This is, this is going to be great. I want, I've heard a lot about it. Uh, and so digging into it, but most importantly, when we dug into your journey. That's yeah. where I was that like, was awesome. Okay. Like whoop can take a a, a seat to, yeah. to the, to the, the journey of Kristen, but, um. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. This was. This is going to be
0: literally. A Listen, I, we're not done with you, Kristen. No I way. There's so much we haven't unpacked a lot. Yeah. Um uh, More not just the individual, but again about whoop as well, because again, our, our story and what we do on this show is about mental and physical performance, and it starts with us. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to be spreading this message via this podcast, it starts with us. We got to live it. Ben's already living it getting shared. Like, like Thank I God we do. brought you on yeah. so we can start living it. That, that's going to happen today. But, uh, you know, thanks again for for joining the show today. It was wonderful. Thank you so much, Kristen.
3: Oh, it was my pleasure. You guys are so fun. <laughs> awesome.